On this edition of African Mobilities, I have a conversation with the Senegalese architect Jean Chartal about the importance of indigenous African building technologies in expanding our understanding of bioclimatic architecture under the rubric of transmissions. Mamadou Jean Chartal is the co-director of Tal Architects and Associates and has been a member of the Biennale and served as president of the board of the College Universitaire d'Architecture de Dakar, an institution he co-founded, where he teaches and is director of the Masters of Architecture program. I started the conversation by asking him to take me through the idea behind his exhibition contribution titled Migrations and the Image of Space in Senegal. The idea was to show that when Africans migrate, migrate to Europe, they bring with them a little bit of their civilization, of their way of being, of their way of, of producing the space. And in return, when Europeans move to Africa, they also bring their, their own understanding of urbanism, of the way we organize space, etc., etc. And in fact, although it seems now that there are more Africans moving to Europe than Europeans to Africa, this has not always been true. In the 19th century, the 18th century, for example, and the early uh, 20th century, Mm-hmm. There were much more people migrating from Europe to Africa than the opposite. And this has translated into a very, very strong inscription of European habits, European ways of doing in the space. Then we will never influence the spaces in Europe. This was done through colonization. The first thing that is very amazing is that they would come and take hold of Africa, like if there was nobody. They would come and, in Senegal, and just by the fact that they have their flag somewhere, say this is now a, a French possession or a Dutch possession or a British possession. That, that's what happened in, on the island of Glory, for instance. Everybody was fighting to get this, this piece of land, and they all, all of them, they just denied the, the existence, the pre-existence of other people that were African. Migration does not mean only migration of people, but migration of ideas, migration of way of being, etc., that you can sum up into migration of civilization. And that was the main purpose. And I believe that uh, through the example of Senegal, we could show that in the field of architecture, there are so many inscriptions of European ideas, European way of being in our city. You know, our quadrangular urbanism that we have here does not fit at all with the way that we traditionally organize the space. There have been some studies showing that uh, spaces in traditional Africa were most, mostly organized through fractal geometry and not Euclidean geometry. Speaking of migration of ideas, how has this affected characteristics of African architecture? All our ways of thinking have been shaped into something that looks like a race to modernity. The idea is that there is a line called development. We are here. 
the European are here, and up there is modernity, so we have to climb all the way up to join them and get modernity, which comes to a, to, to a situation where we don't know ourselves, we don't know our history, we are losing our culture, and everything is done for us to, to try to climb the scales and get to what they call modernity. And in architecture especially, all the patterns, the traditional patterns that we had are disappearing, especially in the, in the cities, because we are all so eager to have our houses and our architecture look like Californian architecture, French architecture, or German architecture, etc., etc. That comes to a point when in the schools of architecture, we study, when we talk about the history of art, history of architecture, we'll study Miss Van der Rohe, we'll study the Bauhaus, or all those movements, but we never talk about African architecture. What has been produced by contemporary architecture in Africa today? So when we were preparing the exhibition, we looked at how this has translated the, the, this migration of ideas about architecture and urbanism, how it has translated into our, our cities and into our villages. And one point which links us to bioarchitecture, which is very sad to me, is I found out that even in the villages, everybody is abandoning not, not, the, not the traditional architecture, but what makes the spirit of the traditional architecture to try to replicate what they know, what the people know about European architecture that is considered modern or Western architecture that is considered modern. And we forget about our own thing. And in fact, the, 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 the sad thing about this is that in all the cultures in the world, the architecture that has been produced by the people themselves takes into account the climate, the situation, the sociology, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe those people don't have a doctorate, but whatever they do isn't, does not come from, from, from chance. It's not a hazard. It's something uh, that they really understand. Can you share some examples of this consideration of climate on building design? I'm teaching the way that the climate influences the, the houses. And I find out that the traditional houses in the southern part of Senegal, in the Jola region, in the villages in the center, where the Jola build with earth and with hatch for the roof, and uh, in the other regions of Senegal, I mean, when you go to all the villages, when you enter a traditional cabin, it's much cooler than the weather would allow you to be. To be. In Casamance, they implement systems of cross-ventilation, ventilation of the structures, etc., etc. Even recuperation of the, the rainwater. In the very hot and dry regions in Senegal, what they have is, you know, we have this tradition of giving a pot of water to every stranger that enters the house. So we have these clay pots just at the door of the house. But when you look at them, you'll see that 
they are covered so that the insects would not come into, into the water. That you have small holes on the, on the top of on the cover that allows the, the water to evaporate a little bit and then the cross-ventilation will bring that water, which is much fresher than the air, will bring it inside the house. That's a system of refreshing the house through humidification. Still to come, I asked Jean Chartal about the depiction of African architecture in popular media. When I see a lot of publications on African architecture, it's always, you know, a kind of European fantasy of Africa and mud brick architecture and this kind of romance of kind of a return to a pastoral landscape. What those people are talking about, it's not to me what is essential in architecture. They are talking about the image. And it's a very touristic image. You know that kind of architecture? And we show that in the, in the exhibition. We call it the architecture of the tourism, where they, they, they mimic the traditional architecture in the, in the shapes, in the forms. Sometimes they decorate the walls with signs because the signs look nice. But the signs in Africa, uh, it's not just this design. It's a script. There is a meaning. Uh, we, I think that we showed this Bambara and Dogon signs that constitute a real uh, writing, way of writing in Africa. But when the, the Westerners came to Africa, this was not a Latin alphabet, so they did not understand. And the people spent their time fooling them, saying it's just drawings. But those drawings would have a meaning. They would use them to, to express things that the Westerners would not understand. It's, it's the same with the drums. The drums in Africa are not used only for dancing. You can send a message with the drums. But of course, you will tell the people that it's dancing so that they don't understand. It's very frustrating when I get into an architectural department of a bookstore because all the books that you have have been written by Europeans with the idea that the most important thing is the uh, ethnological understanding. So they will uh, write pages and pages on the signification of the way that this spot is suspended that will give you uh, an understanding of the position of the woman in the house, etc., etc. But I, I, I've never seen books written on the techniques that we use to build the houses. So my idea is it's our responsibility now to document that and to stop talking about Africa in a very touristic and very romantic way because we've got something else. It's very important to, to all of us to understand that we have all those things and that all those things must be documented by ourselves and nobody else. It's our responsibility. So let's not let those people 
continue talking about us and tell us how we are. Do you find that when you examine traditional Senegalese architecture, are there architectural terms within Wolof? Yeah, there are architectural terms in Wolof, uh, which is not my main language, which is spoken by, by, by all Senegal. And the, 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 the terrible thing is I must confess myself, I don't have enough vocabulary to, 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 to sustain uh, a whole conversation about architecture in Wolof which is terrible. Still to come, I asked Jean Chantal, are universal standards applicable in architecture? The global idea is when you take uh, the, the Inuit on the North Pole, the way they, they, they build their igloos responds to the climate where they are, absolutely. And then this is what I call bioclimatic architecture. It's an architecture that responds to the constraints of the climate with maximum efficiency using the, the materials and tools that are available where they are. In Senegal, when you go to the southeast region, the Basari, which, is, which are people from, from that region, they build with lat laterite blocks that they get together. And it's very special because from the outside, you don't see, you don't understand how the blocks, the blocks are fixed together. It's only when you get inside that you see uh, that they have a motor made of sand, etc., to fix the blocks. When you go there, it's very hot. The temperature is uh, most of the time above 40 degrees. You don't have ventilation because, in fact, when you see the modern way of expressing the efficiency of ventilation through equations, etc., etc., uh, when the temperature is above 35 degrees, it's the environment that sends heat to the body and it's correlated directly with the, the speed of circulation of air. So if you increase the speed of a circulation of air, in fact, you increase the quantity of heat that you receive from the environment. So when you go there, there are no windows. They don't want the air to circulate. So interesting because it also means that all of these fantasies about universal standards don't make sense. Absolutely, there's absolutely no sense. You, you know, there's a word that always makes me laugh, l'homme moyen, the, the, the average man. I mean, in Senegal, I'm considered uh, not very, very, I'm, I'm considered almost small. When I go to France in the, in the subways, I feel like a big man. <laughs> they are so small. So this has absolutely no meaning. Average men in architecture is a political issue. This is something that was imposed on us. And the terrible thing is that now we accepted it and we're not questioning the, 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 the meaning of it. There is no international standards in terms of the adaptation of men to uh, the environment. To me, 
the, the main thing is the adaptation of the people to their environment and the adaptation of architecture to provide the best environment possible for the people. This is what I call bioarchitecture. If an architect starts building something with an image in his head and he doesn't care about the orientation, about the direction where the winds come from, about the quality of the winds, are there uh, dusty wind, winds or uh, cool winds, or etc. He's not doing the work of an architect. Architecture starts by reflecting on the situation, thinking what the situation is, what the, what the constraints are, and what the people need. In, in, in saying what the people need is not just staying in your office and writing a program. It's talking with the people about the program, the proposals that you make. We have to be humble enough to understand that whatever we design, we don't design it for us, ourselves. And if it's not accepted by the people, it's terrible. And if we continue promoting this idea of modernity as whatever comes from the outside is modern, and whatever we, we produce is ancient, etc., etc., we hold a very, very important responsibility, political responsibility. And that's, that's uh, a little, little bit how I think about my job. I've been an architect for 40 years. I've designed things, airports, uh, uh, gas stations, offices, uh, apartments, houses, etc. But the main thing to me is to have the, the awareness of the political responsibility that we have as architects. So thank you so much for your time. My pleasure, sister. The African Mobilities podcast series was made possible with the support of the Goethe Institute, the Andrew W. Mellon Foundation, the Witz Institute of Social and Economic Research, and the Witz School of Architecture and Planning at the University of the Witwatersrand.